Welcome back to After the Buzz of Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Excited to be back. Obviously, we've been doing a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but once a week following day's work, but still, it's been a minute since I've had a podcast on uh, After the Buzzer. There's just so many podcasts, I can't remember. No, I'm just kidding, but um, we we just do once a week, obviously, but we've really only been talking about the NBA, so that's why I'm excited to talk today. We are going to talk some NBA today, because it's been about five, six days since we did that podcast. There's been a lot in the NBA, but I'm going to be talking about the NFL, mostly the Patriots, and this opt-out deadline getting moved up and everything uh, with that and the, all these Patriots players opting out. We're going to talk about Cam Newton, all of that. With the Bruins, we're going to talk a little bit of Bruins. I'm not going to talk a whole lot of NHL. I haven't been watching a ton of it. I've been watching more NBA. I've even watched more MLB. Eh, that's actually kind of tough. Obviously, I've watched some Bruins, but outside of that. So we'll talk a little bit of Bruins because I do have my concerns with them. The Red Sox, they are a disaster. So, of course, we're going to rip on them. And then the NBA kind of in general, some Celtic stuff, whatnot. Uh, but there's a lot to talk about when we do the podcast once a week. Uh, just give me a second. When we do the podcast once a week, we mostly just talk about NBA. Last week, we talked all about NBA. And I'm like, dang, there's a lot of other stuff going on. I'm not just an NBA guy. Like, Thomas is mostly just NBA uh, with a little bit of NFL. Logan's the same way. And Caleb, he does soccer too. and But he's mostly soccer and NBA, and none of us are talking about soccer. So we can do a little bit of NFL, and that's what we've been doing. But here, you know, I want to touch up on that too. But I think me and Caleb are going to do like a midweek show. It's going to be like a shortened, like maybe 15 to 30-minute thing show where we just kind of talk about some of the other things, like not main topics, but, you know, it's going it's, it's gonna to be good. So I think we're going to do that maybe starting this week. Me and Caleb are going to start doing that. I don't know. But we're definitely going to branch out a little bit in those ways. But anyway, enough with that. This, uh, that's all we're talking about today. It's going to be a lot, a lot of topics to cover, but I'm excited and I'm riled up to do it because, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of meat on the bone. So let's get to it. All right. So first I'm going to talk about the Bruins. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every single one of these games. I've watched some of the highlights. I've watched most of them, but I've been watching more of the NBA and whatnot. I think when the playoffs roll around, this round robin's cool and all. But, and I've definitely watched some of the highlights and whatnot. I haven't been keeping up with the whole league like I have in the NBA and the bubble like that. But the Bruins so far have been a concern. They were steaming hot in the regular season, right? Uh, best team in hockey. They were the best team in the league. Now, this is the Bruins. I think it's kind of their final year to make a run at the Cup. Maybe next year they'll get one last crack at it but this is like the last year for sure because this is an old hockey team yes you've got guys like charlie mcavoy you've got some young players i'm not saying you don't david posternock sure but you've got a majority of your core group is older players now so far the young guys have looked all right uh and it's the my my concerns is the Bruins' defense has been terrible, and the old guys have just been really slow. Like they don't look ready. Apparently, Tukaras said he he wasn't he never skated once ever since the shutdown. Once the league shut down, he never skated until 
it was time to come back. In those few months, he was golfing, doing whatever. He was not ready coming into this. And that scares me. When your goaltender, Tukarask, who last year was very good in the playoffs, okay? And he was a huge part of the success. And he did kind of blow it at the end, but he was good last year. But in years past, he hasn't been good. So, you know, Tukarask, I feel like he's getting better each year, but in the playoffs, but he could easily regress this year. And in hockey, this Bruins team, the, the thing that gives me, that scares me, but gives me confidence is they say, we're not trying. We're going to flip the switch come playoff time. Now, the reason that gives me confidence is because they've sucked so far. So if they're doing bad, but they're truly not trying, okay, maybe there's some silver lining there. And maybe when the playoffs do come, they can flip the switch, but that is tough to do. It is not easy to flip the switch, especially in hockey. It is not easy. You know, in the NBA, the Lakers or the Clippers, they could pull that, you know, they could pull that off easier. Um, or they could just say these regular season games, you know, whatever. We're not going to put 100% into them. You know, Kawhi sat yesterday, whatnot. And then in the playoffs, they can, you know, flip the switch because they're going to be facing some bum team. I mean, the Clippers might run into the Mavericks, which could be a bit of a uh, test for them. But the Lakers, like, they're going to face – they could potentially face the Phoenix Suns in the first round with the way the Suns are playing. But in hockey, seeding, if you're in the playoffs, you got a shot. We've seen eight seeds win before. Any team can win. I mean, you know, the Bruins, to me, I don't think they're going in the Cup this year. I didn't think that before the – you know, usually the best team doesn't win, but not only that, you know, you look at the Bruins, last year was their prime opportunity. Last year was your best shot at this thing. The playoff, it opened up for you. It opened up like the Red Sea. Instead of having to face the Lightning, and I hate the Lightning in the playoffs. They are gutless. The Lightning will not win anything because that team is just, they're scared. They want the easy route up. They don't have any guts. They're talented, but they don't have guts. And you need that in the playoffs. And that's why they choked last year. And I wouldn't be too shocked if they do it again. I have more confidence in them coming into this year because I think they've really got something to prove. And they've got a little more experience under their belt. Sure, I'll give them that. But the Bruins, to me, last year was your best shot. You faced the Blue Jackets in the second round. I wouldn't call that a terrible second-round matchup, but compared to the Lightning or other second-round matchups you could add, pretty lucky. The Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was a woozy, all right? The Carolina Hurricanes are a fine team. They're okay, but Eastern Conference Finals? And listen, they played well. They were hot coming into that, sure. But it's the Carolina Hurricanes. For an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, that is very lucky. You could get it a lot harder. And then in the Stanley Cup, the St. Louis Blues. Okay, I'm not saying the Blues, uh, what's his face there, that goalie that they had in Bennington. He was hot. He was doing very good. That team was playing really good. And a point in January, they were the worst team in the West or the worst team in hockey. And then ever since that point, they turned it on. They were steaming hot. Coming into the playoffs, and they did really well in the playoffs. Well, give them credit. The Blues were not a bad team last year, especially during the time. But for a Stanley Cup team, for a team in the Stanley Cup, it could be you could face tougher competition, especially when you factor in their matchups in the first the two rounds before that. So it opened up for the Bruins last year. That was the Bruins' best shot. You had relatively easy opponents, and again, teams get hot, teams get cold, but. At the end of the day, on paper, that was a pretty easy road for you. And you blew it. I mean, yes, 
that that call on Tory Krug in what was it, Game Five? Yeah, that might have lost you the series, but that was your best shot, and you didn't win it. The Blues won it, and this year I just don't think they can win it. I should rephrase that better. I think they can obviously win it. Every team has a shot, and this team was the best team in the regular season, but I don't think they will. And I don't think I, – I just think – I don't know who will, but I don't think it will be the Bruins, although obviously they have a shot. Any team in the playoffs has a shot. So the Bruins, to me, they've started off really poor, poorly. I mean, against the Blue Jackets in that first game, they were terrible. Flyers, they were also terrible. And then against the Lightning, things got a little better. And that was your toughest opponent so far. I know the, the Lightning are gutless, but they are very talented. And so I'll give you a little bit of credit for the uh, Lightning game. But still, you didn't really play that great. I mean, you got a little better, but you didn't play that great. Now you're facing the Capitals. And I was watching a little bit of that game before I did this podcast. It was 0-0. Now the p- first period's about to end, and it's one nothing Caps. We're probably going to lose this game, too, because we're not playing that well, and our history against the Capitals is terrible. I don't want to run into the Capitals in the playoffs, please. The Bruins, to me, I'm scared. I'm concerned for them, really. This might be your last crack at it. Maybe next year you'll get one last shot, but really, uh, again, last year was your best chance. But this year might be your last crack at it. Again, maybe, maybe, maybe next year we can make one more run at it, but I don't know. This is just an old group. And I'm concerned. I'm hoping that this team really isn't trying because you've heard Tuka ask. Uh, you know, you've heard Bruce Cassidy in these press conferences. They've said it. We're not, we don't really care about seeding. And I get it because in the NHL, see, you know, any team can win. It's not like the NBA where, you know, only the top couple seeds are really going to win. And it's not because of like home court advantage, but it's just the best teams are really going to be the ones that win. But the Bruins are looking at it like, you know, what seeding doesn't really matter. There is no home field, you know, home, home ice, I guess you could say, advantage. Any seed can win this thing. And the only advantage they get is you get the bigger locker room if you're the higher seed. So I guess the Bruins are kind of like, whatever, we don't care. And we're going to flip the switch come playoff time. And that scares me. But it also gives me hope because they played really poorly so far. But at the same time, that flip the switch mentality doesn't work all the time. It doesn't work most of the time. It scares me. That is not a great strategy to come in with. So I don't know. You can call them with your thoughts. I really don't. I I. They're they're concerned. They concern me because as much as yes, I have hope because they haven't tried so far and you know they've owned it and say we're not really trying, we're just gonna save it for the playoffs. But at the same time, if they can't flip that switch, they could be out in round one. And this could be your last crack at it. So I'm interested to see what the Bruins can do. Uh so now we're gonna talk a little uh we'll talk a little Red Sox. And let me just tell you, first of all, the MLB is a disaster disaster this season they during the whole pandemic they spent the whole time complaining it was feuding between the players and the MLB we don't think we're gonna get the season in yada 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 and it's like oh my goodness they do all this feuding they're just all over the place Rob Manfred is a terrible terrible commissioner he's so bad He's terrible. Let me tell you, Adam Silver deserves the highest of props. He does a great job with the NBA. It's a well-oiled machine. They've done a great job with the bubble. He's a great commissioner. And then commissioners like Roger Goodell and most of all, Rob Manfred 
will can make him look like the best commissioner of all time. Rob Manfred has done a terrible job. Terrible job. Hours before first pitch of the season, he decides, yeah, we're going to expand the playoff uh, size. After saying he wasn't going to, after saying the season wasn't going to shut down, he tells the Players Association, we might have to shut down the season if you guys don't get your act together. He's just pointing fingers. He's going back on what he said hours after he said something different, and then he's pointing fingers at others for something he's responsible for. He put together a terrible plan. He spent months bickering, and then when it and then he decided to throw something half-assed together, and it's not working. So he blames it on the players. Listen, I'm not saying the players deserve you know, any credit here either. MLB players, they just whine and cry and ask for a ton of money. And they, and they're not really doing their part either. I mean, there's a couple teams. They're not, you know, staying quarantined. They're not trying to stay away from these public places. And half of them, I think that are going up to these places and try, and they're just trying to get COVID and shut down their season. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Red Sox are soon to follow. If you want the complete non-truth, nobody looks happy on this team. There's a report that J.D. Martinez was sitting out uh, against the Yankees, and they go up to him and say, listen, you might you might have to come in here in a few innings. And he said no. He didn't want to play. He just said no. I'm taking the off day today. And it was a close game. You could have won against the Yankees, but J.D. Martinez didn't want to pinch it. He said no. And they gave him a warning. You might come in in a few innings. You have innings to prepare. And they said, yeah, we we gave J.D. Martinez a head up, heads up because it usually takes him a bit uh, longer to prepare. You know, J.D. Martinez, man, I, the more I hear about this guy, I just don't like him. It's, you know, I don't hate him, but I just really don't like him. He just the, the amount of bad stuff I just hear about him, like, oh, my goodness. You got Andrew Benintendi. A joke. Andrew Benintendi's been a joke this season. He doesn't care. He has been swinging the bat terribly, but he doesn't care. I don't think many players on this team actually do care. It's as simple as that. This team right now, I didn't have high expectations for them, but they're 5-9, and nine, last in the division. All they really had to do for an okay season, whatever, let's just get by the season, is beat out the Orioles. Now, granted, the Orioles are in second place at 7-7. Seven and seven. It's like the Orioles are kind of trying, and that's enough. But they're second in the division, which is just crazy. But the Red Sox have just been absolutely atrocious, and we're actually going to remember the season because of how bad they are. They are terrible. Now, I want to look... I want to... All right, so... You obviously lost to the Blue Jays yesterday, but you beat them. That 5-3 uh, win, Alex Verdugo had himself a day. He had himself a day. He went, yeah, all right, he went, yeah, I'm not mistaking this. All right, this is the right game. I just wanted to make sure I didn't mess this up. He went 2-3 for three with one walk. Two home runs, obviously both of his hits were a home run, and he had that catch at the end of the game to seal the deal over the wall. Verdugo had a great game. Benintendi, can I just, why is Benintendi still playing? Why is he still playing? I know that they just don't want to say, all right, if you don't care, you don't have to play. They don't want it to come off like that, but if he's not 
Get, get in guys like Verdugo. He's an outfielder. You traded Mookie Betts for the guy, and you refuse to play him. And he actually seems like he kind of wants to be there. He's actually played well in the, the couple games you've given him. But Ben Benintendi, who doesn't – who could, could – dare uh, I don't even know how to put this. I'm just furious that they keep playing him. He couldn't care less. He could not care less. The guy is doing terrible. He's just up there to strike out. Whatever. Just let me go home. I wouldn't be shocked if Benintendi is the guy that calls the team meeting to the most public place they can go to get the COVID-19. Or he might just go by himself on a seat, his own little secret mission to end the season. The, it's just ridiculous. Why do you keep playing him? He's done terrible, and he's not going to get up the slump because he doesn't care. He just wants the season to be over. He doesn't want to play. And, yeah, that doesn't mean you approach to delivery as, if you don't want to play, yeah, you don't have to play. Approach it as, all right, if you, you know what? You don't care. Get out of here. Sit on the bench. You're done. You're done for a while. And play Alex Verdugo. And these lineups have been all over the place. Alexander Bogarts sits out the second game of the season in a 60-game season where every you every game matters. You're sitting out arguably your best player. Jose Peraza has – there was a stretch of games where he hit ninth in the lineup, fifth in the lineup, first in the lineup, and then I think he was back down to ninth. What is all this scrambling going on for? The nerds. Baseball right now has been taken over by uh, terrible ownership. Bickering players and nerds. That's what it is. And that's why the MLB is... It's a crisis right now. The MLB is in a terrible place. It's the least entertaining it's arguably ever been. It's losing fans by the minute. And this does this does not shine a good light on it. They This was a good chance for the MLB to... Prove they can, they can do well, I guess you could say. They... They were the first big four sport to come back. Granted, it was only a week before the NBA, six days before the NBA, whatever. It was a chance for the MLB to put out a good product, prove, you know, Rob Manfred and the owners to prove they could put together a good plan in a time like this and prove they are maybe at least semi-good owners and and show that they do kind of have this thing under control. This whole league, but they blew it. The product, it's been meh, because it, it's our, it's been worse than it usually is. I mean, no fans doesn't help. The cardboard cutouts, not a lot of people like those. Obviously, I mean, fans are, yeah, fans are better than the cardboard cutouts. We get that, and there's nothing the MLB can do about that. But it was a, it's the fact that the players aren't trying. You know, in the NBA, the players are brought in. At the very beginning, you had players like Jason Tatum and James Harden. And all the players that were down there did not seem like they were brought in. I doubted this thing. I was like, I don't know. I mean, the fact that all of them, they can keep COVID out of there. And none of them really want to be there. But the NBA, it, they seem bought in now. And the that bubble is working so smoothly. There hasn't been one hiccup. And all of the players seem like they want to be there. And it's been a great product. The MLB... As if it wasn't boring enough before, has got worse because games are getting postponed left and right. Rob Manfred is going out of his mind, and 
half the players aren't trying. Not that they didn't before. I mean, there were plenty of players that didn't try before, but now it's just insane. Like, these players just don't care. But then you have players like Alex Verdugo, who do care. This is a young player. You traded Mookie Betts for this guy, and other guys, obviously, but you traded Mookie Betts for this guy. He's a young player, eager to get in there. He's playing well when he is in there, but you continue to sit him and play guys like Andrew Benintendi, who have been as cold as an iceberg, and don't care. They don't care, but he continues to play, and he continues to hit at the top of the order, while Verdugo is lucky to hit eighth once in a while. He's played only a handful of games. Your team is not that good. And to be honest, I think you're better off, if you do want to win games, you're better off with Verdugo than Benintendi because Verdugo actually cares. And Verdugo, you know, it, it's the easiest thing in the world for somebody to just go up there and say, I'm not going to try. And that's exactly what Benintendi is going to do. And that's why he sucks so far. And Verdugo actually does kind of care. I'm not saying Verdugo is the MVP of this team, but at least he cares. And in the games he's played, he's done pretty dang well. Uh, Why did I say dang? Pretty dang well. But I'm just, the red, this just makes no sense. But the nerds, they got to run the lineup. I mean, it's you've got some interim GM. Uh, you know, in, why did I say GM? You've got some interim manager in there. He's not going to go against what the, the nerds say upstairs. He, you know, it's just a one-way ticket for him out of Boston. This is his opportunity to be a manager. He's not going to go any against anything they say, obviously. But I heard something on the radio that they, one of the Red Sox nerds was just like, well, we're, the, we're not the one giving them the lineup. Well, you know, obviously the nerd doesn't want to be the one responsible for this because they've been terrible, but it is. It is. They give him the lineup. They give him these grades on all these players and how they're going to do against this matchup and this team, and he just rolls by it. He's not going to change anything or also probably just get fired because he's an interim manager. He doesn't have that much power, and he just wants to keep his job. The nerds are the ones doing it. They don't want to own up to it because this team sucks. If he were, if, if those nerds were, you know, accused of being responsible for the Yankees lineups, uh, you know, uh, the Yankees lineups or the Twins, the Twins have kind of struggled lately, but, you know, the Athletics, some of these teams are actually doing good. Of course, they'd say, well, yeah, I mean, we do this and this. They may not straight up say, yes, we just do the whole entire lineup. But, you know, they're going to take some credit for it. But with the Red Sox, of course, they're not going to take any credit for it. They don't want to be the one responsible. You know, they don't want to own up to this mistake. I call this a mistake. I mean, I don't know if there is a really a lineup that um, you can throw out there and actually win. Because I don't even know if they have nine guys that care. But... You could do better, and that starts with benching Andrew Benintendi and playing Alex Verdugo more. That's all I'm going to say on my Red Sox minute there. Oh, my goodness. This team is just a joke. They are a joke. This whole thing's a joke. That This is the MLB, and I am glad the NBA hasn't had any hiccups yet. I'm glad the NHL is doing really well because at least we have those. Because the MLB, this joke, was the only thing that was on. Oh, my goodness. I might lose my mind. It's just, it's, the product is awful. The whole thing is just terrible. So I'm, I remember really enjoying that first game of the Red Sox season. I was like, oh, I'm really excited for this. You, They played well. Nathan Evaldi pitched well. I also want to get to one more thing. But anyway, they did really well. And then after that, it was just an explosion. Obviously, I wasn't saying they're going to make playoffs after that. But it was like a ray of hope. 
and they played well, and I got excited, but the Red Sox, Nathan Avaldi has really been their only good pitcher, but lately, who, what's the guy's name? They got the, he got the shutout win, um, Martin Perez. He's pitched pretty well so far, and he could be your second pitcher, because right now they only have two. Well, they only really have one, Nathan Avaldi. I want to see more of this Perez kid, but he's done well. He hasn't pitched six innings yet, but that's kind of what the MLB is turning into. Pitchers don't pitch six innings as much anymore. If you have a six-inning day, that's usually good, unless you blow up in that last inning. But five innings, I'll take it. He didn't let up any uh, runs. He had four hits against them, three walks. Sure, that's not great. You know, a four-three strikeout walk ratio isn't phenomenal, but hey, no runs. You shut out the Rays five-nothing, and then you beat the Blue Jays, and then you had a tough loss from yesterday. So, I mean, they've been playing a little better in these past three games. You know, they've been playing. Uh, sorry about that. They've been playing a bit better. But I don't know if it's going to really carry over. We'll see. They're facing the Blue Jays today. I honestly don't know if I'm actually going to watch that crap show. Maybe the maybe the highlights. I mean, I'll probably, you know, we've got NHL hockey on. We've got NBA. Why do I want to watch this crap? Maybe I'll decide to. If I see they're losing by a large amount, I'll tune in for an inning and just laugh at them. Maybe. We'll see. If they're winning, maybe I won't watch. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But now I want to dive in to some NBA, so let's get to that. All right, so the Celtics so far in the bubble, I've I've liked it. I've been all right with what I've seen. Uh, and we're going to kind of break down these five games, more or less these last two, because you've kind of already heard the spiel about the first three. Uh, the first game is against the Bucks. I've watched all of these games... Uh, except I didn't watch a ton of the Nets and Celtics game because I was at the beach all day. I was, you know, hanging out with my cousins and whatnot, and I really didn't catch the end. It was kind of whatever. It's Nets-Celtics. It was backups, you know, B-Squad versus B-Squad. And the Heat-Celtics game, if you live in New England, you know what I'm talking about. We had that hurricane, took out my power from the beginning of the game, and I got it back right at, I think there's like a minute left in the game when I got it back. So I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, watch some of the highlights, but you kind of already know the spiel about that one too. And then obviously the Celtics Raptors game, you know, watch that Trailblazers Celtics Bucks Celtics whatever you get the point. But Bucks versus Celtics, I didn't think they played terrible in this game. I really didn't. Uh, the Celtics that is, you know, you're facing a Bucks team that is better than you. They're bigger than you. But you know, at the end of the day, the Celtics I felt like just could have shot the three a little better. They did out-rebound the Bucs, which impressed me by one. But, yeah, still, uh, I feel like the Celtics really just had to hit the three ball a little better and move the ball a little better in this game. It was your first game back, though. You're facing a very good team, the Bucks. So I honestly didn't read too, too much into this game because you only lost a seven to the Bucs. And this was your first real game back. You know, whatever. But, it, you know, it still proves the Bucs are the bigger, better team than you. And... This game clearly didn't change that. Uh, and then you face the Trailblazers. You had a very good lead in this game. And you nearly blew it. But Tatum played great. And uh, what's his face? Jalen Brown played really good uh, on a night where Kemba wasn't so hot. And, I mean, all your forwards stepped up. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum were big. Sorry for that. Gordon Hayward was pretty good in this game. And, honestly, those three kind of carried your offense. 
Outside of that, you had Tice gets nine, Walker gets 14, Marcus Smart only at three, Cantor at 11, Oshley at three, Grant Williams at two. Those three forwards carried your offense. I, I don't know if these stats are right, if you want to really know the truth. I, I don't feel like that is even close to the uh, – um, let me think. Uh, that's 64, 86. Uh, yeah, I get I, – I feel like they're missing some points here because these aren't always right. These stats aren't always right. Uh, but, you know, a Trailblazers team that – but the Trailblazers are all right, but they nearly didn't make that comeback, and that was scary. If the Celtics lost this game, we'd have, we'd have problems because they also lost to the Heat. I'm not really going to speak too much about this game because I didn't get to watch it in real time, although I watched some of the highlights. You guys kind of already know the feel about it. And then the Nets, I know about this game. I've watched the highlights on it after I had to miss the game, but this was B-Squad versus B-Squad. Gordon Hayward did get 32 minutes, but you look at Jason Tatum got 18 minutes. Kemba didn't even play. I mean, come on. Jalen Brown only got 24 minutes. I mean, yeah, you played smart and Hayward a good amount of minutes. And Tice, you know, 22 minutes. But really, you look at Brad Wanamaker, 21 minutes. Robert Williams, 19 minutes. Sammy Ojale, 18 minutes. Carson Edwards, 11. Jeff Green, 7 minutes. Like, you know, come on. So, but Robert Williams in this game was a beast. He scored 18 points. He was just showing off his athleticism. My thing with Robert Williams is so many people are just like, I've heard people give him a Hakeem Olajuwon comparison. I like Robert Williams. I think he's an athletic specimen. He can block shots. He's a rim running center. He's very athletic and I love him. I really do like him, but, and I do want to see him get more minutes. Uh, Maybe not in the playoffs, maybe not this year time uh, around, the year, but like, I do want to see him just get more minutes in general, but his availability is a problem. He's always hurt. I remember he played really well against the Spurs and then was out for like the next month with the uh, foot injury. Like he gets hurt a lot, especially for a guy who only plays like a few games a year. It seems like Robert Williams, his availability is a problem. And I honestly think he's an overrated defender. Like he's athletic. He can block shots, but his IQ is not good. Like, he's never really in the right spot. He never really knows what he's doing. He's just athletic. He just has a long wingspan, and that makes up for it and makes him look like a good defender because there's not really a ton of defensive stats. So blocks are one of them, and he thrives in that. So people are like, good defender. You're athletic. You block shots. And he's he's portrayed as a better defender than he really is. I don't think his IQ is that good. And I don't think his IQ needs to be that good. Like at the end of the day, I still think he's an above average defender and he can protect the rim and all that. But his IQ just is not that good, but he's so athletic and he has such a good wingspan. So he can just kind of make up for it. But the Celtics in this game destroyed the Nets. It's another one of those though. I don't really read into it and it just shows what type of team they are. The Nets we're missing Katie and Kyrie, obviously, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Those are the three best players right there. So the Nets, I mean, they're basically a joke. I mean, with without their three best players. So the Bucks game, I didn't. I read a little bit into, but you know, not too much. First game back, uh, and then the Nets game, you can't really read too much into that one. But the Celtics versus Raptors game, people have loved to just rub this in the Raptors' face. Uh, you know, Tatum wasn't phenomenal but overall to just have like a steady all-around performance the the team they played really well like out of their mind good and their defense I thought was pretty dang good too and they just outplayed the Raptors that was it they just outplayed the Raptors and a lot of people have been like well now the Celtics have come out of the east because it's one game that there is ridiculous that statement 
The fact that people now think this Celtics team is better than the Raptors, it's ridiculous. The fact that people now think, well, the Celtics, I could put them in the mix with the Bucks and the Raptors, you're ridiculous. You are insane if you think that. It's one game. It's one game where the Celtics played one of their best games of the year. All right? I don't think the Celtics will play at that caliber for a whole seven-game series. Maybe even not one game in a whole seven-game series against the Raptors. All right? First of all. Second of all, the Raptors did not show any of their calling cards. Nick Nurse hit all of his defensive tactics, even offensive tactics. They play a lot of zone defense. I mean, the Raptors mostly just played a man defense. They were moving a lot on defense, and they didn't really outsist them this game. And I felt like that was Nick Nurse just saying, I'm not going to show them any of my cards. Just a good chance we run to the Celtics in the playoffs. You know what? We'll ju- we're going to throw this game, basically. We're going to throw them a bone. We could win without a system. I think the Raptors, without the Nick Nurse coaching, you know, without any system, that's pretty – the Celtics and the Raptors, when you take away their defensive system and Nick Nurse, that mastermind coaching, it becomes pretty close as to who's better. But when you throw that on the Raptors, they're the better team. And in this game, Nick Nurse didn't show any of that. He basically just let the Celtics win, kind of. I mean, the Celtics still play great. I'm not discrediting the Celtics. This definitely gives me more help, uh, hope with this team. But it was one game, and I don't think the Raptors showed any of their lethal defensive systems. Lethal defensive zones, whatever you want to call it. I don't think they showed any of that, and I think it's a strategy as to we're not going to let you see this. We'll surprise you with it come the playoffs. Have a good day. You can take your uh, regular season play-in bubble win. We'll take the seven-game series. Like, that's really what I think about it. If the if the Raptors, you know, the next game, I don't know. But really what the Celtics, what I'm trying to say is if they, they're facing the Magic today, which, again, that's another one where if they have another Nets performance, I'm going to read. They face the Magic, the Grizzlies, and the Wizards. This is my problem. So far, the Celtics team has proved what they truly are, for the most part. They lost against the Bucks and the Heat. Okay, you lost against the Bucs, they're a better team than you. Lost against the Heat, you're a little better, but they're around the same caliber as you. You nearly, uh, you barely beat the Trailblazers, an average team. And you blew out the Nets, a bad team. And then you beat the, Cel- uh, the Raptors, which is a better team. So I, I'm not saying this is exactly, but this is what the Celtics team is. They have a losing record against playoff teams, I believe. Okay, they have a losing record against playoff teams. They beat up on the bad teams. And they lose to the good ones most times. I mean, sometimes you have a game like the Raptors and the green teamers go crazy. But you have games against the Magic Grizzlies and the Wizards. If you can win out after that win against the Raptors and play pretty well, yeah, sure, I gain confidence. But I wish you had one more game to really give me some silver lining here. I wish you had another kind of, you know, I kind of wish you had another game against uh, let me think of a you know good team like a, the Nuggets or the Clippers. I know those are teams that you know are probably better than you. The Nuggets is closer, but just to really see what the team's made of, like if they could give a Clippers the Clippers a run, that would be a pretty close game. Like I'd get excited, something like that, because that was just one game against the Raptors, and they've competed well so far. The Celtics have done just fine in the bubble, uh, but again, this team's not coming out of the East uh, unless they continue to play like they did against the Raptors, which I just doubt, and obviously we haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with this team. But 
Uh, more NBA stuff. The Suns going 5-0. and Just insane. I mean, it just shows how insane the bubble has been. TJ Warren's been popping off. Again, I've talked about most of this stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of, uh, a lot of it on Ballin Day's work. Uh, we're probably not going to talk much Celtics except maybe this Raptors game because that's kind of been a hot topic. The Raptors are still better. Don't let that get to your head that the Celtics are the better team. But we're going to talk about most CNBA stuff tomorrow. That's So I'm not going to really touch up on too much of it and then repeat myself tomorrow. So Because that's what we mostly do there, NBA stuff. So, yeah, that's going to wrap up kind of my Celtics minute. It wasn't really an NBA minute. That was my 10-minute Celtics rant slash... They've been fine. I wouldn't really call it a rant, except for the Raptors game. It was idiot. It, I, that was a mix between saying idiots and idiotic green teamers, and it came out idiotic, uh, and I just lost it. But yeah, don't let that get to your head. Don't let that win get to your head. Give you a little confidence, sure, it should. But the Raptors, again, they are not showing their calling cards yet. It was one game. The Celtics played some of their best basketball all year, which is great. It gives me confidence, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Now, to wrap up today's episode, we're going to talk some New England Patriots, so let's get to that. All right, so obviously the NFL hasn't been the the headlines like some other sports. You've got the NBA on right now. You've got the NHL, MLB on right now. You've even got PGA uh, golf going on right now. we got a Masters. So the NFL really hasn't been in the headlines a lot, but there's been a lot of Patriots news. It's what we're going to get to today. Starting off with Devin McCourty's words on the opt-out deadline getting moved up. So the original agreement was that the NFL, the opt-out deadline, the deadline to opt-out, because you obviously can opt-out of the season. You're going to lose basically all your salary uh, for that year. You're going to walk away with just like a few hundred thousand. Depends on what player you are and what your circumstances is, are. But if you want to walk away, do it. And they ended up with, I think, 67 players walking away. But the original plan was one, once we want, modify the new CBA, You'll have seven seven days later. That'll be the deadline. But after the NFL was after they said that, the NFL started to they started to fall behind. I wouldn't really call it fall behind, but they started to have trouble where they couldn't get modify the CBA. They were having some financial issues, and then forty players had opted out by on Monday. And the NFL was sitting here saying, we're not going to get the CBA done until at least within the next few days. And then they're going to get another seven days opt out. We've already had 40 players opt out. This is way more than we thought. This process to reach an agreement on the CBA is going way quicker. You know what? We're going to have the opt out deadline just be this Wednesday, if not Thursday. Keep in mind, Monday was the first day like players like Patriots players were back in the facility. And this had players enraged, including Devin McCourty. Devin McCourty. Uh, here, here are some of his quotes. This is just, uh, basically a quote from what he said in the press conference on Monday, I believe. It was almost a week ago. I think it is an absolute joke that the NFL is changing the opt-out period, mainly because they don't want to continue to see guys opt-out. I'm sure they, they're shocked about how many guys have opted out. I think it's terrible. I think it's BS that the league has changed that date. Monday will be our first day in the building. So to try and act like guys try so to try and act like guys are trying to make a decision about something other than virtual meetings is a joke. When players understand how much power we have, 
we've seen things change for us, primarily even with this deal, with the COVID-19 trying to get everything back. We saw some of that strength. Hopefully, we'll see how everything turns out come Wednesday if it ends up being the deadline. I support the guys no matter what they decide, but I'm still out here trying to have fun and figuring things out. So we'll see how it goes. It's the same thing when we sign the CBA. Sometimes some of those things that we think are good sometimes backfire. We have rookie con- rookies that are locked into long-term contracts and then franchise tagged and then franchise tagged. You guys don't think we would love to change that about the CBA, but we can't. That's the point of signing an agreement. Spot on, Devin McCourty. I don't have an issue with anything he said. I think it is spot on. I don't think many people have disagreements with this. It is, it, it's just bad. It's a bad rep for the NFL. They, I don't blame the NFL in the sense that they things did not go the way that it was planned. They had more players opt out than they originally thought, and the CBA wasn't getting assigned and modified as quickly as they had thought. CBA stands for collective bargaining agreements. That the agreement that's a big word. Uh, Devin McCourty talked about that, but. All of this does, the CBA, first of all, them trying to modify that, raises enough questions in its own. And if the players can't change their CBA, because they're in their agreement, they're locked into that agreement, why does the NFL have the power to do it? That raises its own uh, enough of its own questions. But now the NFL, after seeing all these guys opt out, deciding to abruptly change the opt-out date, to way sooner than players thought and that the NFL expecting players to make a good decision and have enough time to make a decision, despite only having two, three days in their facility before they have to make a decision. That's a joke. And the NFL will claim it's because, well, the CBA is not getting this done as quick as possible, but that's a joke. They really just saw the numbers that were going to opt out. And they knew that if they continued, like if they signed that CBA on Monday, let's just say they got that done Monday night, the players would still have time to opt out today. Like today's uh, Sunday, they would still have over 24 hours to decide. So, you know, that's why they changed the opt-out date because if the NFL didn't do that and they stuck to the, uh, you know, the opt-out deadlines one week after we signed the CBA, the players would at least have more than 24 hours still. You know, the CBA would either not be signed by then or it would have been signed Sunday night or sometime after that. So the players would still have plenty of time to decide. But the NFL, knowing that players were opting out, we're going to continue to opt out, and that the CBA, you know, that's now they have at least seven more days, and 40 players have already opted out, and it ended up being 67, you know, after 27 more players opted out within the next couple of days. If I am can guarantee you that if the players had longer than Thursday, more opt outs would have happened. The NFL was trying to avoid that, but it, all that does is, sure, it say, you know, more players are playing. The NFL wants to see that, but. You have a big league. There are players all over the place. Not a ton of superstars were opting out. I mean, yeah, you had Dante Hightower. You had some of these guys. But the NFL, I mean, I see this as a big loss to them. They're going back on an agreement when the players clearly can't do that. That raises enough questions. And it raises the questions of, are the is the NFL really putting its players, player safety first, their players' health first? Because they are bumping up the opt-out deadline, really not giving them enough time because they just want to see them stay. They're not really giving them a ton of power and a ton of time to make the decision because Devin McCourty's right. You can't really make a, a good call off that on the virtual means. You know, a guy like Marquise Goodwin, obviously, he was pretty dead set. I'm not having another trial die, you know. 
So he was pretty dead set. He didn't need to walk into the facility and see what that was like. But there are a lot of guys that said, I need at least, you know, more than just a few days in this facility to see what happens, you know. But the NFL just, they wanted to make sure no more opt-outs happened. And it, it's a little sad to see it's a negative thing for the NFL. I know they didn't expect to be in this position, but it happened. And it, it's just a bad look for them. And I'm surprised this isn't getting it talked about as much as uh, I thought it would. And I know I'm a bit late to the party on this year, but I completely side with Devin McCourty here. And so uh, you can call him with your thoughts on that. I just think that's an interesting topic. Uh, but then the Patriots players have eight, eight players opt out. Big ones, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one guy. There's eight of them. Yeah, you got Marquis League. Uh, Marcus Cannon. That was the other big one. Uh, so, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Bolden, just to list some more. But the Patriots are the most players opt out. They had eight out of 67, which that right there is uh, – that's a – wait, uh, no, I wasn't doing the math right on that at all. Uh, forget that. Uh, but, you know, that's still a significant amount. That's over 10% of the players that opt out are coming from your team in the 32-team league. So the Patriots' playoff uh, odds definitely have decreased. Not only in off in the offseason did you lose your leader on offense in Tom Brady, but you lost your leader on defense now in uh, Dante Hightower. I feel like he was the anchor of that defense. I, you know, you could argue Devin McCourty's the captain of the defense, whatnot, but I feel like Devin McCourty uh, or Dante Hightower was the anchor of that defense, if that makes any sense. That's a huge loss. And the Patriots' playoff odds, their division odds, have definitely gone down after this. It's next man up. I still think the Patriots can make the playoffs because Bill Belichick's your head coach and your division's meh. You know, I mean, I think the Bills can beat you for the division, but that's about it. I don't think the Jets or the Dolphins can. I think you have better shots than them. And with seven playoff spots, like that's big. You know, if there were six playoff spots, I'd kind of be on the edge of my seat. But with seven, I think they can make it. I think the Patriots can still make it despite these opt-outs, despite losing a ton of guys in free agency, and despite just an old team that really just doesn't have a ton of talent. A lot of this is going to come down to, you know, can Cam Newton play? If Cam Newton, you know, can't play, and you're relying on Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer, we're in trouble. But a lot of this is going to come down to Cam Newton. And speaking of Cam Newton... If you remember in his roundtable discussion with OBJ, he said, when I got the call from the Patriots, I said, me and Bill, how's that going to mesh? And Kyle Long, I believe that's his name, Kyle Love, he was a defensive lineman, I think. He was on the Patriots, on the Panthers. I don't even know who this guy was until uh, I heard all this. So he's played with Cam Newton before, and he's played under Bill Belichick. And he, I don't have the exact quotes, but he said, I'm not sure Cam Newton can succeed in New England. I'm not sure it can happen. And this is a credible guy. Uh, you know, people are saying this guy's very cerebral. He's a smart guy. Kyle Love is. And, you know, it's a great perspective. He's played under Bill Belichick. Granted, he even said it. Bill Belichick is a little calmer now. He's a little more strict, but still. Bill Belichick's Bill Belichick. So he's played under Bill Belichick, and he's played with Cam Newton. And he said, in Carolina, I do believe Cam Newton was coddled by the coaching staff a little bit. So I do think Cam Newton's one of those sensitive guys, but we really don't know. It was almost like the coaching staff was afraid to give him coaching. Pretty bad coaching, you know, just in general. If you're afraid to give a guy coaching, you're not really a good coach. But the Patriots aren't really going to be that here. 
I think Bill Belichick, though, you know, you saw what happened when Randy Moss came here. You know, he had a walkout on the first day. Chad Johnson, same thing, because Bill Belichick tore into Brady in the meeting room. Bill Belichick, you know, he'll play nice with you at the very beginning just so you get to know him. But once he gets to know you, he's going to put the pedal to the metal. And he did that with Tom Brady. That's why I give Tom Brady credit in his years here because he put up with Bill Belichick screaming at him, knowing it was best for the team for about 19 years, you know, 19, 20 years, whatever. Cam Newton, though, I think you have to do the same thing. I don't want to see Bill change his style, but change the delivery. I heard this on the radio, and it's a good point. You got to change the delivery of it. You have to still coach him and send the same message. You've got to point it out, point out his flaws, and you've still got to coach this guy because Cam Newton's got to clean some stuff up. But you have to change the delivery of it. I don't think you can be as nasty as you were to Tom Brady. I think you've got to change the delivery a little bit with the guy who's a little more sensitive as Cam Newton. But I do think Cam Newton is fired up. And I do think Cam Newton, you know, knows he's going to have to change a little bit at least. I'm not sure if he will, but he knows this might be his last shot. So I do think he's going to be willing to go a little farther. And that could mean taking some tougher coaching. But at the end of the day, the delivery just can't be the same. But if you want to make the playoffs this year, a lot of it does come down to Cam Newton. How will this guy play? I have confidence in Cam Newton because I do think he's very talented. And he's just been injury riddled. He really hasn't had so, you know a great team around him. I mean, this offense really isn't great either. I think one of the uh, I think I already mentioned this, but one of the upsides to having Cam Newton is um the wide receivers. Guys like Nikhil Harry are gonna have big years. Like watch Nikhil Harry. I'm not saying he's gonna be a Pro Bowl or anything like that, but Nikhil Harry will have a much better year this year. You know, he's already got one year on his belt, but Tom Brady was reluctant to throw to Nikhil Harry or work with Nikhil Harry. Cam Newton this year, he's gonna do whatever it takes. Cam Newton will throw to any guy if he's open. If it means we're going to win games and I'm going to do good. Not to mention Nikhil Harry is his archetype. You've had Devin Funches in the past and whatnot. Cam Newton likes his big receivers. Those big outside the numbers receivers, Cam Newton likes those guys. And that's Nikhil Harry. So watch a big year for him. I do like that for younger receivers that Tom Brady was reluctant to work with. Cam Newton will work with them. He'll throw to them if it's if it means they'll win some ball games and he'll do well. So... I'm I'm not 100% that Cam Newton will work out. But I do have confidence. And Kyle Love brings up a good point, and it is a concern you have to have. There are concerns with Cam Newton. There's no doubt about it. There are concerns to be had. And I don't know. I, I'm very excited to see how it plays out. That's, that's all I really got to say. I'm just excited to see, can he do it? You know, how will me and Bill mesh? That's a good question. We're going to find out if the season goes underway. The MLB has given me concerns about the NFL. The NFL is much better run. I mean, basically every league is better run than the MLB. But you look at it, the NHL and the NBA, indoor sports. They can, they've got kind of smaller-ish teams. I mean, the MLB does too. But the MLB, you know, there's not... There's baseball games every day. So the MLB really can't go into some bubble, you know, like the NBA can. The NBA has three courts, I believe, in the bubble. So, and not every team has to play every day. They've only got 22 teams as is. They've got 22 teams. Not every team has to play every day. They have three NBA courts. You know, and with the MLB, is there a place 
where you could get enough hotels to house all 30 teams and have enough fields for all 30 teams basically to play every day. I mean, at least enough for like 13 games each day. No, you don't. There's not really a spot for that. MLB still has to travel. I'll give them some slack in that department where <coughs> it's kind of tough for them to run a bubble as clean as the NBA or the NFL. Uh, and NBA or the NHL. But the NFL is kind of the same way. Is there a place that can house all 32 NFL teams? All 50-plus players, however many coaches, they have the NFL out of the big four sports has the most players per team, has the most teams in general, and has the biggest coaching staffs. And they are a contact sport. That scares me for the NFL season. That scares me. They are kind of in the same place as the MLB, except they have even more teams. They have even more players slash people. And that that scares me. At least they have a better owner. At least they have a better commissioner. I've never said something as nice about Roger Goodell, but at least they have a competent-ish owner. That's the good thing for them, but they've got more teams. They've got more players per team. They've got more people per team. And I question if this can really happen. Because with the MLB, they've struggled. But again, the hope is, well, the NFL's they're they're better well run. They're more well run. They've got a better commissioner. Roger Goodell's not great, but he is better. So that's the hope for the NFL. But at the same time, like I don't think they can pull it off as smoothly as the NBA and the NFL has, or the NHL has. It's going to be tough, but I, I'm interested to see if the season can go underway, and if it can, I'm just excited to watch it. I'm so excited. I love NFL season. I don't like the fall at all. Like, the summertime's my favorite time of the year, and in a close second slash basically tied for first is the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas, great time. I'd say summer's my favorite, the time we're in now, but close second is the holidays, and obviously the NFL is around the holidays, but I hate the winter and I hate the fall. Uh, I hate the snow. I just don't like the cold weather. The fall, you're going from no school, sunny weather, to now all of a sudden cold weather. The ground is just as hard as a rock, and you're in school. It's the start of the school year. Oh, miserable. And fall is my least favorite season, and then close behind it is winter. I hate the snow even more. Actually, I don't know. The fall and winter, both weather suck. Uh, yeah, I'd say I hate the, the the ice and the, you know, at least the fall, I have sunny days here and there, I guess. But uh, the winter, I hate it, but I like it a little more just because the holidays. But the NFL season itself, I hate the time of year it's in besides the holidays, but I love the NFL season. I'm really excited, but I hope it can come underway. Hope they can pull this thing off really badly. But it's just a matter of will they. So it's going to be interesting to see play out. It's going to wrap today's episode. Uh, make sure you go check us out at Ball and Day's work. Uh, not at, yeah, it, yeah, at Ball and Day's work. We've got a podcast. I think me and Caleb are going to do that midday show again, as I was talking about. Go follow our Instagram page. Go look at our website. I think we've got a Twitter page. We've, I, I don't run anything or do anything on it, but I think we've got a Twitter page. We've definitely got a YouTube channel, so go subscribe to that too. We've got a lot of stuff, so go check out all that. If you have any questions for me, any thoughts, anything you want to debate about, go call. Go get the Anchor mobile app and call in. You can send in a voice message. We have not had a caller in a while. I'd love a caller to debate with or talk about your take. 
please, I'd love a call. We used to get a lot all the time. We haven't got any uh, for a while. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time. Thank you.